Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everyone, once again you're back listening to the greatest show on this podcast network of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, it is Saturday Draft Live. I don't have any any cheesy intro for you today, you know, it's when you when you find Jack Graham hosting, it's, it's something you might expect, you know, maybe a, a bit of Robbie Williams, a bit of tape that, something like that, you know, we've not got that today, we've got to get straight down to business because Clash of Champions is coming up and there's a lot to talk about and by this time next week, when Scott's taking over the reins, we could have a completely new table. So we've got a batter straight in. We can't. There's no no pussy footing about today. We've got to get going with it. But you're probably listening to us on either Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, all the good Android podcasts and websites because that is where we are. You'll find us on Twitter, Suplex Retweet. We've got Facebook of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, and we've got the community page as well where we post regular updates about the draft and we get conversations going we talk about who we think is going to win blah blah we even got Kwaku Aji coming up saying he's an advocate for uh, Daniel Campbell to win the top and I think that's just trying to clutch his straws of tasting the championship of the draft but you know as what it is well, I'm sure either me or Dave will try our best to surpass that but we'll talk about more of that in a bit we've got the YouTube channel as well our own Dave Hockney hosted uh, Quiz Showdown about the ruthless aggression and uh, Scott was on to try and defend his title did you enjoy doing that boys yeah it was great great job of uh, hosting you know i haven't hosted a quiz since the very first wrestlemania quiz we did back in 2018 so it's been a it's been a long time and uh, hopefully i've redeemed myself after you know what's now become a running gag for a couple of fiascos and inside jokes as a result of that quiz it was it was it was fun to look back on an era that i i think of as kind of my era when I was started watching wrestling and finding out the weird things that I happened to still remember in that period. I'll be honest with you, Jack, too. Well, with everything going on in WWE and AEW and having to keep up with the bloody G1 for East Meets West, if the, if the day the show goes out wasn't in the title, I wouldn't know what day it is. <laughs> and also, I don't, wanna, I don't have any spoilers for what happened in Clash Showdown, but I'd, I'd stay to the end where... Maybe there's a bit of a confrontation between Scott and a and a and a man that we don't speak about in this show anymore. He's a mm-hmm. uh, uh, written off the face of the earth, as far as we're concerned. I mean, you have had a week to listen to it, but you know, I won't be so presumptuous. You know, some people may be very busy and just happen to squeeze in these podcasts while they're still on the go. So I'll give you time to sit down, relax, pour yourself a glass of brandy, and watch Quiz Showdown if you haven't already. <laughs> <laughs> who, drink, who drinks brandy? Actually, who, do you know anyone who drinks brandy? Well, no, but you know, I like to think we have some sophisticated listeners, Dave, so how dare you insult uh, <laughs> the good name of anybody who listens to us who might drink a bit of brandy? Uh, okay, well, what's me tell? <laughs> I watched it by Can of Dragon Soup, so that, yeah, that shows the <laughs> sophistication is amongst this podcast, but oh, that's, well, that's, what right for, that's what passes for sophistication in Ayrshire, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no word of a lie, there's a shop uh, that's maybe two minutes away from me and literally every week they do a competition to give away a crate of dragon soup. <laughs> I mean, we do have a we do have an established uh, Champions Country Club here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet and we've all got fine taste uh, when it comes to uh, the beverages. 
Yeah, like Dave, no, do we even name his team after some of them? <laughs> uh, speaking of gents, I will be revealing my new team name in this episode too. But uh, you know what, Jack, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you go ahead, and we'll go through this week's statistics. You know what, I'm quite looking forward to not saying what your team name used to be. Also, we don't know what it is yet, so I'll come over to you when we're going through the top 10 in your very high position, but yep, it's, got it. snake bite. it's got a bit of a It's got a bit of a snake bite. If not, um, I'm calling a meeting to be you off this show, Dave. I'm telling you that right now. I'll have to take the matter to tribunal. <laughs> oh, hang on. No need to get lawyers involved in this. Actually, no need to get doctor lawyers involved either. Right, before, before tempers flare, we'll get into the the top three of the week, and I'll, I'll, I'll come to you first, Scott. Ask us in the top three with nine points. Obviously, Alan's captain, I believe, mm-hmm. is correct. Mm-hmm. Where kind of Alan is in the table right now, Asuka is one, two, three, four, fifth best in the season so far with 29 points. It's safe to say that Alan's, uh, Alan's team's been saved by Asuka right now, isn't it? Uh, uh, probably at this stage. And... Like I don't want to say this is a repeat of last season, but this could be very similar to like when Cody was holding his team up last season. I mean, it's good that he is a smart choice when I pick Asuka. You know, she is basically the top woman on Raw right now. Now that she and Nia have kind of been pushing into the tag scene, and she is the top like female overall of this of this season. So she's not a bad pick to have. And I think we'll talk about it more later on. But I think Carter Champions will uh, only serve to further prove how valuable she is. Yeah, definitely. Asuka's always a kind of a sought-after women's pick, David, isn't she? And uh, clearly, you know, best-performing woman in, in, our, in our season so far and just has proven dividends for keeping Allen just above that relegation spot. Yeah, like Asuka's never a, a bad pick to have uh, in these in these seasons. She's always a very high scorer and she has been picked as a captain in previous seasons whilst also being a part of the... Uh, Kabuki Warriors tag team in past seasons too. She's currently setting third as the highest overall scorer on Raw, but that position's currently taken by the Heart Business at 40 points and then Randy Orton just below them on 34. So it's def- in terms of having a strong women's pick, you definitely can't go wrong with Asuka. So uh, the next two, they're both tied at 11 points after successful retentions of their titles on AEW, but I'll come to you first, Dave and John Moxley, obviously. Mm-hmm. We were originally going to have the six-man tag uh, with Lance Archer, but obviously he's came down with a case of COVID-19, so plans have changed, and uh, it seemed they were able to tie up a storyline pretty well with Eddie Kingston, who who claimed he... Well, he didn't claim. He never got eliminated at the Battle Royal, and it seemed to... Because of that, he got his title shot against John Moxley with Lance Archer being gone. Obviously, John Moxley successfully retained. So, a bit of good fortune there for Daniel to get those 11 points for his title retention. Yeah, so whatever happened with Lance Archer, you know, it's one man's uh, loss, another man's gain. And it is Daniel's gain, you know, with uh, an impromptu AEW title match for... Uh, for Daniel's captain. And the successful retention over Eddie Kingston has given Daniel a nice... A nice little boost uh, towards uh, towards soaring ahead in terms of points. So, imagine that if that didn't go ahead, you know, he'd probably, you know, I think he probably could have missed out on a big uh, big points booster. But this time around, I think he just got lucky. I was, uh, you know, COVID doesn't really help a lot of folk, but it's, it's really is helping Daniel so so far. <laughs> got them that extra 11, 11 points was needed. But uh, Scott, I'll come to you now because obviously number. 
I'll, I'll say he's number one because he's at the top of the top three. Mr. Brody Lee successfully defended his TNT title against Orange Cassidy. I think that was one that was safe to assume that he wasn't going to lose, but kind of what happened after was maybe a bit of a shock with Cody coming back. You know, he's dyed his hair all black and brown. He's came in this dark suit. And he kind of went a bit apeshit pretty much against members of the Dark Order whilst Brody Lee kind of went away. Is It'll be good to see Brody Lee and Cody continue their feud and dynamite to come, but do you see any real threat to the title that is in your possession right now? I don't think there's any doubt that Brody Lee wasn't going to retain of Orange Cassidy. I think there, some people may have thought it because you know, Orange Cassidy's got a lot more momentum now than he has so far in his AEW run after the Phoebe Jericho, and I think that's why Stephen felt it was a wise choice to, to pick him. But like again, it was another strong tailed event. It was what I really needed this week uh, to help my performance in the the draft. That a lot it didn't hurt. Also, that Akira Shida was victorious in a tag match in that same show. So it was, a, it was a great night for me. The thing with Cody is interesting, and like because they, they're setting up a, a dog collar match for I don't know if they'll be on a dynamite if they'll wait till full gear, but. Part of me is kind of worried that they're just doing this as kind of a, oh, Cody's come back, he's fired up, and now he takes back the belt, which would kind of make Brody Lee feel like a placeholder and would kind of undo all the success, all the work they've done with him since like, winning the title, because I think everybody can agree the night he won the title was the night that the Dark Order felt most like a threat than they ever have in AEW. Just a note about Full Gear as well. Full Gear is scheduled for the 7th of November, so it's it's very possible, you know, that we could be seeing a dog collar match there and then. But the, what I really took away the most from this segment is the social media got spammed with memes about how Cody now looks like Robbie Rotten from Lazy Town. <laughs> and now I can't, get, I, really can't get, I can't get that image out of my head now. Yeah, we could always do the dog collar match on TV because I think they make a big deal, at least they did when they started, about them being TV 14. So I think it just depends how violent they want to go with the dog collar match and what they can get away with on TNT. But like I do think, obviously, given the feud, it would be nice, would be probably wise for me to save it till uh, pay per view because also Full Gear would still be part of the season. So if Brutally happened to retain, then it would be more points my way. I think it's it's a it's quite a difficult one. Obviously, Cody's not on anyone's team, and I'll I'll call him Mister Brody Lee because that's his uh, name, Scott. You know, just for keep keep you happy yeah. here. But uh, behind his name, <laughs> but the I think if they do go down that route again of continuing the feud and having this dog collar match, they're really stuck between a rock and a hard place of whose momentum they're going to actually kill. If Brody Lee loses, that's that's like. Obviously, he lost to John Moxley when he was part of my team in the World Heavyweight Title match. He won this TNT Championship. If he loses it straight away to Cody again, where exactly is the Dark Order go for here? But then you've got Cody as well, just came back and just seems to going to get his uh, title match. If he loses, he's just came back with all this energy. What what exactly do you do? I think Cody would, would fare better with a loss because... I think the main reason they gave him this run as TNT champion is because he couldn't challenge for the world title. He didn't want to be in the main event scene. But then he'll do more harm kind of this mid-card title scene by taking it back off the guy he lost it from rather than letting the guy who he beat him continue his momentum. Because I think you need maybe a chance to build someone else on the AEW roster if they were the ones to take the title from Brody Lee. So I think when you think about it, Cody in the long term would probably be fine if he lost. 
to Brody Lee. And also, talking about Lance Archer, I'm just like, that, what happened to him this week, and also what's been reported about whether or not this injury is real or not with Tegan Knox, I'm just glad I didn't choose to uh, repeat some of my picks from last season. Hmm. So I say your season last your team last season's a bit cost cost now, mm-hmm. obviously you know that that doesn't matter. We're in we're in season six and I'm gonna I'm gonna take you boys through the top ten. Uh we we decided on this show that we're not gonna speak of this man's name anymore, but we'll just say the man that we're not gonna speak of is sitting in the last position with forty five points. Tied with Grant. Uh I'm gonna say team L I F because I can't pronounce it, but Dave, I think you had a pretty good pronunciation of it last week. So I'm gonna let you do it. Can I try it? Yeah, I was going to say, can I try it again so I don't say that it wasn't a fluke last week? So it's Team Los Ingoblinares de Stende. I think yeah. you've done pretty well there. Mm-hmm. I think I've got it now. Uh, Alma Glucas in ninth position, but I've got noted down here that his team name's just called Blasphemy with uh, 58 <laughs> and a half points. <laughs> Ross McLeod with the Turkey national team, he is in eighth with 61 points, and Stephen's only one point ahead of him with Team Top 1% and 62. There's only a half point above that for Gary with Team Visser at 62 and a half points. Scott, you are only two points ahead of him with Team Drafting Ain't Easy. This is bloody tight. Mm-hmm. Mm. That, was in, that was in fourth after Dynamite and I only dropped a couple of points because the person who's now in fourth was only a wee bit behind me by like two points. And also Smackdown has not always been the best night for for me uh, so far this season's only dropped a little bit but I think like you said it's still very tight between the middle part of the table like Stephen said any of these people one good week is all it takes to move them into the top three uh, Ryan Gallagher is just a point ahead of you the boss after the 65 and a half points I've got a bit of a cushion up above with liquidation relegation is still the same fantasy team with 75 points but I think it's, it's fair to say that I'm probably you could consider me being part of that middle pack that I could easily lose my my third position like and I'm out of a week. That's how that's how close this the the draft is this season and it's enjoyable but it's also stressful because I want to I've never performed this well in a draft before so I need to keep it up. But it's the moment we've all been waiting for, Dave. You're on eighty five and a half points. Yep. What is your new team name? Well, I decided to go with something that sort of adds a personal stamp on it to say this is, if you look at it and you say this is David Hockney's team. And I mentioned earlier as well, we had a a tradition here at ESSR where the champions of this podcast are exclusive members of a country club, a champions country club. And And then it hit me. You know, a nice, simple, sweet name with a personal touch to it. And... You can figure out what the first part of this team name is uh, refers to. I'll just let you use your imagination on that one. My team is now officially known as the DH Club. Right, tribunal. tribunal. For God's sake. I mean, it could be a variety of things. It could mean the David Hockney's Club. It could mean the Devilishly Handsome Club. It could mean, it could mean anything. You know, just... Let your... oh, oh, Dave, you're a funny man. Oh, you're a funny <laughs> man, Dave. I mean, as the most devilishly handsome man on this podcast, I think it only seems fitting that I have uh, I associate my team with such a name. Debatable. It's debatable, but uh, you know what? I've also said it's a snake, mate. You only took that title because Nathan Fisher is not here. Yeah, well, he's not here now, so 
feel like Harry Potter. How dare you stand where he stood? <laughs> oh, I, I will say, as 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 an improvement on Snake Bite, I think it would have been yeah. an improvement on Snake Bite. Well, but... well, that's what I was aiming for, so I win. I have. Uh, it's still Snake Bite. Sorry, are we going to talk about who's number one? Because I was going to get back to the table. Aye, I'll, I'll go on who's uh, on number one. 92 and a half points for the Elish experience with Daniel Campbell. Uh, aye, he's kept his place at the top again. Also, we'll talk about Clash of Champions in a bit and we'll see if he can keep it after. But uh, do we think that Daniel's won in this season? No, I think it's still too early to tell because, I mean, look at, you know, where you and I are, Jack. You know, it's... Um, there's definitely a, a gap, you know, when it comes to the top three and the rest of the table. But Clash of Champions this weekend, I've got three of my picks involved in championship matches. And we've seen in the past, you know, with uh, with Daniel's team, he doesn't have a lot of representation going into the Clash of Champions. He's more predominantly uh, AEW picks. But I've got Randy Orton, Nia Jax and Apollo Crews all in, ta- in title matches this uh, this Sunday. And when you look at the, the table, I was talking about how tight it is in the middle. We're in about two and three, and even when we get to the third with you, Jet, that's when the real gaps start to show. And I don't think I think it's too early to declare a, a two-horse race. But like, if you want to say about somebody in the middle of the table having a really good week, in order for like Dave or Daniel's positions to be in jeopardy, at the same time, somebody in the middle table, like a Gary or say myself. It's having a really good week. You guys would have to have had a really bad week for there to really be a threat. Mind you, like we've not only got Clash of Champions before the end of the season, which would be Survivor Series, we've also got a takeover. We've got Full Gear, we've got Hell in a Cell, and then I'll say the end of Survivor Series. So still got a lot of big show, a lot of pay-per-views, and you never know, especially with AEW or NXT, what kind of big matches they want to throw out on free TV between us. So I think We've got two early favourites, but it's too early to already declare them, either of them, the winner. I think, uh, but if we get the Clash of Champions, we know what I want to say. I'm looking at the table here, like just the, in general, and I'm looking at the amount of points on shows. So, uh, Stephen, this, Stephen this season is collecting points for every single draft performer. Oh, and, and over and above that as well. So, there's pretty much any wrestler that competes on AEW. NXT, Raw, or SmackDown he's collecting points for. Eight, so, with all the wrestlers included, out with the draft as well, 897 points would be in the way of AEW. That's nearly half the amount of points of the full thing. I think, obviously, we, we've said before that we can't, you can't really sleep on AEW, but I think potentially next season we could see a lot more folk draft in AEW considering, like, Dark is getting so prominent now as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to sort of add to that point about you know how more points have been sort of directed towards AEW, I think that lies with the fact that uh, at least a few of us in this draft have got AEW representatives as our team captains. Because obviously Daniel's got John Moxley, very high score with forty-one points, and Jack, you yourself have got FTR as your tag team camp as your tag team captains with thirty-two points. So I, I think the the captaincy effect, I think, is what's contributing the most to these points here. Yeah, cause especially like what, as it's showing with Brody Lee, like the title, titles aren't always uh, defended on free TV, but when they are, they are worth a lot. 
and also Atomic AEW, they also had like late night dynamite as well as dark and the regular edition of dynamite. So that probably helped a lot of people this week. I mean, especially me now that Sean Spears is finally pulling his weight and beating Matt Slidell. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And well, like, is- I, I, can't, I can't take credit for that, honestly. <laughs> so I was brought by, I believe, Ryan on ASSR uh, Central this week. Uh, get, uh, Scott, just to confirm, you've got Brody Lee as your captain, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, so there I- you go. That's three, three uh, team members with uh, AEW talent as their captains. I think with the exception of uh, Jack and Gary, who put, uh, put it on their tag teams, everybody's first round pick what is now their captain because that tends to be who it usually is the person who you pick in the first round usually ends up being people's captains with with various exceptions over the years Mm -hmm. so clash of champions Mm -hmm. this is going to shape the table up a lot come Monday morning I think Mm. Mm -hmm. I think there's no doubt about it so I'm just uh, looking at the the table because I was double checking people's caps. Now I'm looking at the top ten of the season, like overall. Obviously, John Moxley number one. And that's probably why Daniel's doing so well. It's strange that you've got Drew, haven't you, Jack? Yeah. It just goes to show how unusual this season is, and that Drew is at the bottom of the the top ten with seventeen and a half, which is strange. Obviously, he was away for a couple of weeks, written off the Kefi injury because of Randy Orton. But, you know. It's, it's weird who's not on the top 10 in any sense. Roman Reigns. Oh no, Roman Reigns is in the top 10, but you know who isn't here? Who? Bailey. For the first time, I oh, think. Of course. Uh, yes. Top 10. And, you know, maybe that was by design by a certain person who will probably hear this and say, oh God, they're obsessed. I'm just making a, a observation of the table here that both Sasha and Bailey having been picked as a tie team are not anywhere near the top they're actually this person's worst picks with two points overall and like even if Bailey retains this person gains nothing because unless Sasha somehow shows up even then they don't gain much I think somehow they're going to pass this off as oh I wanted people not to rely on picks like Sasha and Bailey doing the table which has let in some very interesting people in the top 10 here I think like so Brody Lee, FTR and the Heart Business make for being so high in the top ten this season where they probably wouldn't have been in that position in previous seasons. I think all that we can say to he who shall not be named is uh, get up you prick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean well, if he was if he was if he was looking to I don't know if he was trying to either sabotage the competition by taking them as a tag team or whether he just ended up sabotaging himself. I mean yeah, fair enough. You don't want any people to rely on the picks they have in previous seasons because, you know, Bailey, as we talked about, best draft performer probably overall in previous seasons. She basically is what helped Stephen win last season. But, like, don't, don't have that happen at the expense of your own team. And mm-hmm. looking at also, we're talking about people's worst performers. Three people currently, their worst performer is on zero. That would be Ryan with Charlotte Flair, uh, Gary with Mandy Rose, his, and who was a first-round pick for him, and Alan with Dakota Kai. Everybody's worst pick has at least scored a one or two points so far. It just goes to show that if you try and play silly buggers with the draft, it just comes to cost you, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, just just play... I think the rule we've established... that Well, not the rule, but the more the the best strategy to go ahead with is try and find a way to benefit your own team rather than trying to sabotage anyone else. 
Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just thought I'd make that point. On, we'll, we'll talk about it because yeah, I just wanted to bring that point up. No, that's a very valid point. Uh, but we're Clash of Champions. We'll, we'll just kick off. Kick off with the kick-off match, which um, I'm surprised. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's just a night of defending your championship, but I was still surprised to see the Raw Women's Championship was your kick-off match. I thought, for some reason, I thought it would be the, the SmackDown Tag Team title match or the United States title match, but the Raw Women's Championship, anyway, is uh, Alan's captain, Asuka, going up against the he who shall not be named's uh, former captain, Zelina Vega. Uh, I think there's only one winner here. Isn't that right, David? I'd say that it's pretty certain that Asuka's winning. Uh yeah, I definitely lead towards Asuka, but you never know. I'm still having that one percent shadow of doubt. Like you know, Zelina Vega could pull off a, an unsettling upset. Uh, you know, given you know we've not seen her much in in singles competition, but can you imagine if that just happened, like in in the first instance? But the one thing that's given this a bit of a way is the fact that it's on the pre-show and not much tends yeah. to happen there. That's all I was going to say. If it was if it was in the main card, then I'd maybe have that little bit of doubt. But on the on the kickoff, I just I can't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any any like believability of Selena Vega winning the title? No, that's not a, a criticism of her as a wrestler because I think she she's going to surprise a lot of people. Like, but like as soon as they made it on the kickoff, you realise like Asuka's not losing this. They clearly made this like a stopgap thing. And when honestly the Raw Tag Title match or the the US Title match, which are just basically rematches of matches we've already seen, should definitely deserve to be in the kickoff more than this. Whereas this is kind of a fresh challenger for Asuka, but it's clearly, like I said, a placeholder, which is why it's on the kickoff. So yeah, easy win for Asuka. Like I, I referenced earlier that Asuka would probably win to, to prove how again how valuable she is as a pick round team. Ah uh, yeah, but the. Our next match, United States title match, Bobby Lashley, who's not been drafted as a single pick, if they remember, he is part of the tag team of the Heart Business for uh, Gary's team, and I believe that he is their captain as well, the Heart Business. But it's going yep. up against your single pick of Apollo Crews, David, isn't that right? Yep, that's right. Uh, I won't lie, I don't think Apollo Crews will win, but the kind of good thing here is that Gary won't be getting as much points as what he potentially could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the downside from choosing the Heart Business as a tag team is that, you know, if they're, even if they're performing as individuals, you know, Bobby Lashley is a singles champion. He's not going to gain any points from pay-per-view title defenses, but at the same time, he won't lose any. So maybe it kind of levels out a bit. But I'm not too optimistic about Apollo Crews winning this. I think, you know, this could be Apollo Crews, you know, starting to slide down the card again. I mean, yeah, it was probably, it's probably, again, like I said, this is one of the reasons why this match should have been on the kickoff in that, it's so obvious that Lashley is probably going to have a decent length reign as US champion. And Dave, I don't know how wise it was for you to choose Apollo Crews, given that now he's not got the US title, he's probably not going to be doing much. I think you let your guilt of, of laughing at Steven when he picked Apollo <laughs> Yeah. In, in hindsight, you know, in, we caught up with all the emotion of trying to rectify myself laughing at Apollo Crews last season. I've, uh, I might have uh, carried out a bit of a faux pas having picked him so early on. I mean, to be fair, this probably won't even have a clear winner this match because this is probably the match that Retribution are going to get involved in if they ever show up at Clash of Champions, given that they've been involved in a thing with the, the Hurt business. So you'll probably yeah. see a, a big appearance from uh, 
Mace Windu and Slapnuts or whatever the fuck their names yeah. are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. expecting appearance from uh, the Globo Gym Purple Cobras, Laser, Blazer, Taser, and all kinds of Azers. Also, sorry, just mentioned about how well Daniel's kind of been doing. Uh, he is probably the only one who's going to get any like appearance well, points whenever a retribution show up because basically we all blatantly know that Mercedes Martinez is one of the members, even though she's not got a new retribution name yet. Oh no, apparently she does. I know Mia Yim on Twitter is now called Reckoning or something like that. I don't know what Mercedes is called. Yeah, the name escapes me for Mercedes Martinez, but it is something just as silly as uh, Slapjack. I mean, we, we, we all know that like The Miz is the other one as well. Oh yeah, totally. It's the one where the dinner plate on his face. Wink. Wink, wink. Okay. Under that mask and that, Dave, what kind of underwear do you think the Mrs. is wearing? Given that we've established that you're obsessed with that kind of information. Yeah, I believe they're called Shut the Fuck Up, Mr. 44. <laughs> well, fucking touchy. <laughs> well, we can keep, keep that intensity, keep that fire going for our next match, because the women's tag team title match, obviously. Dave, you've got Nia Jax, Ross has got Shayna Baszler. No one's drafted Liv Morgan, but you've drafted Ruby Wright. Scott, what jinx happening here? Well, this is the match I'm most uncertain about. I've only got two big matches on uh, on on Clash of Champions. The other one I'm I'm very certain about. We'll get to that later on. This one, it could go either way because I don't honestly I don't think they would give Naya and Shane a too short a run. But mind you, they are basically following the trope of oh a tag team that well, they're not really friends, but they're they both like winning. So usually that ends up them having a short reign. And the thing with the Riot Squad getting back together is they put so much time into it of Ruby trying to make amends with, with Liv Morgan. And you think with a, a, a female tag team getting back together, the ultimate goal should be for them to win the women's tag team titles. So if they don't win, I don't see what the point of them getting back together even was. So I've got, I've got a modicum of hope for Ruby and Liv, but I'm mainly counting on the dissension of Naya and Shayna to kind of cost them. Mainly because also Shane, I should probably be challenging Asuka right now and not be in the tag scene. Uh, uh, Dave, how confident are you about this match? I'm actually most confident about this one. I think Naya and Shayna are retaining. I think they need to go on a very dominant run as tag team champions. And as we've said before on past shows, they've got that essence of like team hell no about them. You know, they, they may not like each other outside the ring, but when in, in the ring, you know, they've got the same common goal. And I, do you see what they did to Natalia and Lana uh, this past week? You know, Lana got Simone dropped through the announce table and it was brilliant. Like, I want to see them do more of that with Shayna and Nia. Just literally just crush the competition whilst, you know, trading jibes back and forth each other. It's actually quite entertaining. But I, I am most confident with the fact that I think that we'll see a retention for these uh, women's tag titles. Because, I mean, it's good the Riot Squad are back together. But it just hasn't had that big spark to say all right, I want to pay more attention to them than to the current champions. I think that the, our next tag title match is safe to say will be a successful retention for the artists who are in Scott's team going up against Lodge House Party. I think it's a, it's a set as well that they won't be losing, Scott. Yeah, I mean, I mean, also there's concern, also there's a WWE trope like, oh, you look strong and they build to it so you're losing. And the, the Lodge House Party have lost to Nakamura and and Big Dick Tony 
in singles matches in the lead up to this. But then they've also, a few weeks back, they were teasing dissension amongst the Lucha House party. And so I think definitely that I can't see the, the, the Lucha House party winning the tag team title. So I'm more confident in Nakamura and Cesaro winning. And I think this is the big win from them that I need right now because they, I don't think they defended the tag title since the official start of the season. And also the fact that they lost to Street Profits on Raw didn't help. So this is kind of the, they're currently my worst performing picks. So this is, the, this is the performance I need from them right now. This is the make or break, the, the prove your, like, calling your strike type thing on it. Yeah, because even though he's got the, uh, the briefcase right now, the real threats to their titles, I think, is heavy machinery. Once they eventually do something about Otis in the, that briefcase, but other than that, obviously there's not much of a tag division on SmackDown, but I still think Cesaro and Sheamus are better options. Cesaro and Nakamura, I don't know why I keep saying Cesaro and Sheamus. Cesaro and Nakamura are better options to have the tag titles on SmackDown than Lucha House Party. Yeah, eh, the bar is gone, but not forgotten. That's that's <laughs> what that is. But, eh, the, our third and final tag match, the Raw tag team titles, obviously, are eh, number one. And I tell you right now, Daniel Campbell, uh, Street Profits are his tag team, and they are defending against Andrew Garza, who is part of Allen's team, and Gary's Andrade. Dave, this is a match we've seen a lot, and Andrade and Andrew Garza have always came up on the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Do you expect the exact same to happen here? I honestly think this one could go either way. I think if I was. Betting, I'd lean slightly more towards the Street Profits because you know they've had a very consistent run as tag team champions and Andrade and Garza have continued to show a little bit of dissension here and there. But I think this will be the, the breaking point for both of them and they'll think they'll break off into a single street as a result because it has been rumoured backstage that Vince uh, has soured on Andrade a bit and then he might start to get pushed down the table again. So, But you never know, things could turn, turn on a dime and you know, Andrade and Garza could finally get that reti- that title when they sh- probably should have had it SummerSlam. But I think I'd have to go with the Street Profits on this one. Well, it's Andrade and Garza versus the Street Profits again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, they were planning on this match at WrestleMania before Andrade got replaced with Austin Theory. That's how long this has technically been going on for. And, like, I just don't care. I don't care about the Raw Tag Division. I don't care about the Street Profits. I just... I don't... I think it's easy. Yeah, Street Profits, when there's more points going Daniel's way. But, I, like, you shouldn't be proud of that in the fact that it's only winning because there's no... The Tag Division on Raw is basically dead. And, but yeah, they could give them to Garza and Andrade because, oh, you wouldn't be expecting it because they've lost so many times. But, yeah... But I don't think they would have the desired reaction because but you've lost so many times that by the time you win, nobody cares. And like I know we kinda of were a bit harsh on Gary on Alan's team earlier on about Asuka being his main like points getter. But like when you look at the rest of his team like Garza and Miz to an extent are both like stuck in kind of limbo at the moment. Dakota Kai's doing nothing in NXT and the Young Bucks they are doing good but they're doing a kind of a slow burn thing so they're not getting any big points right now. Uh, there's somebody else on his team, I forgot, is in a big match on Sunday who may turn things around for Allen. But I think when you look at like how WWE's booking some of the people on his team other than Asuka, it's kind of not Allen's fault that he's like solely down the table. It's the way that WWE's booking people like Angel Garza on Raw right now. Yeah. It's, so, uh, so it's a bit of a shame. 
Yeah, I wanted to clear up because I felt like a minute we while ago we were a bit harsh on Alan Steen mainly because Asuka, through no fault of his own, Asuka is kind of holding the team up right now. Uh, well, we'll get on to the SmackDown Women's Championship match and all this. This was solely concerned to you who shall not be named. Obviously, Bailey's part of his tag team, the Golden Role Models, who have, have split up and it seems that we're going to get that big Bailey-Sasha feud coming soon. But the challenger is Nikki Cross. Now, uh, Dave, I've said before that I could see Sasha come in and cause interference and allow Nikki Cross to win the title. Now, obviously, if that happens, he'll get his appearance point for Golden Role Models showing up as a tag team, like an on-screen together to get that point, and then he'll get the title points for Nikki Cross. So potentially he could get some points here, but do you see it playing out that Nikki Cross is going to win the title? Honestly, yeah. I think... You know, if we're, if we're going to set up the Bailey sasha feud, it doesn't need the championship. And I think, you know, Nikki Cross has had more than enough attempts to try and, you know, win the title. I think she's finally going to get it done this time around. And then that sets up a potential feud with Alexa Bliss. So, yeah, I honestly, I honestly think Nikki's going to win it this time. Purely for the benefit of getting two great feuds uh, out of it as a result. Are you the same, Scott? I am going to have to disagree respectfully with uh, Mr. Hockney and that while I think that Nicky Cross winning is the best that uh, he shall not be named can hope for points wise because otherwise he gets pretty much nothing if he just beats uh, Cross I do think there'll be some Alexa Bliss involvement uh, more likely than Sasha as I mentioned last week and like they've not really done much Alexa, Nicky Cross has basically been booked as Alexa Bliss's sidekick before now so I think if they let her have the feud with Alexa Bliss to help establish her more as a singles competitor in the women's division, then I think she becomes more credible as a potential like threat to the women's title. And then she can be given the title. But I think if she does win the title, I think it's only going to be done as a placeholder thing for her then to lose it back to Bailey by the end of the year uh, before Sasha comes back at the Rumble because like they brought Sasha back on SmackDown so they had Bailey attack her again. And I think the wise thing is a lot of people are saying they want a WrestleMania match between Sasha and Bailey. So I think keep Sasha away, let actually write somebody off and let people let the anticipation build a little bit more before bringing her back. And I know Dave, you're all adamant, oh, but Nikki Cross is, is is a fellow God's region. Like that doesn't mean that it'd be the best booking decision here, or doesn't mean I should automatically think she should win the title. Nothing against her, but I think storyline wise, it's not the time. Uh, either way, either way, we're getting two big feuds out of it. I don't, and to be honest, I don't really care which one of them gets the the title as a result. Even then, like I said, if it does end up, she wins it, but then again loses it back to kind of Bailey. Because other than her, you've got Naomi who's not doing anything, Lacey Evans, and then this mystery woman who may or may not be Carmella. It is Carmella. Who we, let's not be around the bush. Like. Because like other than Sasha, you've not got much to occupy Bailey's time. So like even if Nikki Ross does win it again, like I said it's going to be a placeholder. And when you think about it, that's probably going to do more damage to her than not owning it, rather than her, her basically being a person. Keep the title warm for a couple of months before Bailey gets it back. The the next match is the match I'm probably most uncertain about. It's branded as the triple threat winner take all ladder match. Obviously the. The winner take all element being there's supposedly two intercontinental titles. Only Sami Zayn used to be part of your team, Dave, last season, but uh, decided to take the time off when COVID was rife. 
But we have Alan, who's Jeff Hardy, who's the current Intercontinental title holder. And then you've got Stevens captain, AJ Styles, who has obviously walked away with both belts and SmackDown last night. I genuinely don't know which way this is going to go. I hope Sami Zayn wins, but this is the match that I don't know, and I'm quite looking forward to watching this. I mean, as a competitor, as somebody, anybody outside of Gary or sorry, outside of Alan or Stephen, should really hope for Sami Zayn to win. Probably because that's officially how I think it's going to happen. Because I think storyline wise, no Sami declaring himself the rightful Intercontinental Champion, and plus in a competition sense. If Sami Zayn wins, is not an NBA team. Nobody gets any points, so it doesn't benefit Stephen or Allen. And when we're getting like to the halfway point of the season, that's what you should be hoping for. If you're hoping to claim the table, you should be not hope, only hoping for points for yourself, but hoping that other people don't get any points. It's like competition. It's, us, it's you or them. Kill or be killed. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? What if you had to? If you had to give me one person who you think's going to win this match on Sunday, who do you think's going to be? I'd lean more towards Sami Zayn. You know, even though he got the upper hand on SmackDown, you know, that would imply that, you know, he's losing. But we had AJ Styles standing on top of the ladder with both titles at the end of SmackDown. Uh, I mean, logic, WWE's booking logic dictates that this would mean that Jeff Hardy's winning because he's the one that didn't get any momentum following from SmackDown. But at the same time, I can't help but lean towards Sami Zayn because if he wins that match, we're never going to hear the end of it from him. And I think (laughs) he'll generate great heel heat as a result. And also, two participants will lose points as a result. So, yay! <laughs> I think I think it's going to look like Jeff is about to win, but you no, know, Jeff being Jeff will then decide just to do a big dive, and that'll take him out. And Sami Zayn <laughs> will just sneakily climb the ladder into the belts like the wee bastard that he is. He'll do he'll do an Otis at Money in the Bank. You know, AJ and Jeff will argue over the championships. He'll drop. He'll drop. Uh, well, actually, though, there's two titles hanging above because obviously there's two. Yeah, there's two titles, so you can't really sort of drop one and then... Oh, do you know what? I think this match could actually end in, in more controversy. Oh, the, the group chat will be a rife of folks saying, oh. but, but, but the AJ Styles had the title and then Alan would be like, no, but Jeff Hardy had it as well, so who do you give the points to? Uh, you'd call that a draw, I suppose. Hmm. I mean, what happens if one of them doesn't show up for the match? Then surely the other person has declared the winner. Does that get the championship point? I mean, no, two... clearly not. Clearly not. When MVP should have been the US champion last season. I'm <laughs> fucking over that. Oh, yeah. that guy. He should have got the points for that. He should have. <laughs> the US champion couldn't show up. But uh, the, the universal title match, this is... This could this could be very, very, very beneficial for Ryan Gallagher here. Also, Roman Reigns is his captain. And that will get him... 11 points for retention, I think Dave is your captain. Uh, that's on TV, yeah. So, But on pay-per-view, I believe it's 16 points. Right, so that's, that's 16 points. Guarant- you can guarantee that he's going to appear a couple of times in the show well before his match. So you could, we could, you could easily argue that he could minimum get 20 points mm. for, this, for his appearance of Roman Reigns come Clash of Champions because there's no way J.S. was winning this. So uh, this is what, that's what I was saying in the chat that I could see Ryan creep into the top three because those 20 points could play a heavy factor if it does happen. I think, uh, yeah, he is lucky in the sense that I think he, this is the easiest match to call points-wise uh, on the entire card. And uh, I think if Drew 
doesn't retain, and Roman when, when Roman does win, then I think it's possible Ryan could overtake you for number three. As a hundred percent, this is a we'll get on to the next match because it concerns me and you, Dave. It's the ambulance match. Your captain, Randy Orton, going up against the WWE champions and my team, Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. I've I've said before that if it was a normal match, I think Randy Orton would win. But because it's this ambulance match, a loss doesn't really hurt him, and it would it could allow a feud to come with like Keith Lee properly because of it. Obviously, you're probably you're you probably think that Orton is going to win. Yeah, I I was in the same mind as you. Like, if it was a normal match, I could easily bet on Randy Orton winning. But the ambulance match has now thrown a bit of a curveball because now it could go potentially either way. But I'm still. I'm still leaning slightly towards Randy Orton getting it this time around because I think Keith Lee could get involved in this and possibly turn on Drew. So that way, and then for somewhere down the line, we could have maybe a triple threat match for the WWE title inside Hell in a Cell, perhaps. And if Randy Orton retains there, then Drew and Keith can go into a single feud themselves and Randy Orton could get a new challenger. I mean, that's just uh, me thinking off the top of my head here, but... Uh, at some point or another, Randy Orton will win the WWE title this season. And I think what better to do it now? Because an ambulance match, in the same way, it doesn't hurt Orton, but at the same time, does it really hurt Drew either? It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a weird one, I think. But Scott, if you had to pick one of the two to win this match, who are you picking? Oh, this, you know, you, you know, a more professional host when he sees his two co-hosts being pitted against each other would try and <laughs> would advocate for more unity and, like, keeping the unit together. But I am not very professional, so I am like when Homer tries to pit Bar and Lisa against each other. Fight, fight, <laughs> fight, 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 fight. Uh, I, I think Orton is more likely, mainly because of the ambulance match situation and that Drew doesn't have to get pinned. And also, they've mentioned before that Drew, now in the build-up to at least in Kayfabe, has this jaw injury. And with Randy having the pun, like, believably, you've got a way of taking Drew briefly out uh, in a way that makes Randy look more vicious and obviously believably takes Drew out without making him look weak and then obviously he maybe right Drew out for a couple more weeks and then he comes back to get the belt back and then also you've got the factor of Keith Lee I mean I say this now but we were all I was also very certain last summer that Kofi Kingston was going to lose to Randy Orton and he lost multiple times to Kofi so you know this could always end up being a way just to make Drew look more triumphant, but I think if I had to pick between the two, Randy Orton's win. Well, uh, I'm, I'm upset that I don't have your support, but I <laughs> I understand your logic, I guess. But uh, I've just got hope and pray, but that is, that is Clash of Champions and that is Saturday Draft Live, boys. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about how much of a change the table has taken come next week when you're hosting Scott and... I well, will I still be in the top three? Well, oh, Daniel still be in first position. Will Dave be in first position? Will he who has not been named still be at the bottom? Will Grant get out of relegation? It's it's all going to happen. But boys, Scott, thanks for joining me once again. Thank you, Jack. If I could take anything away from this episode, it would be WWE has far too many titles. <laughs> and uh, uh, Dave. I hope Randy Orton loses, but you know, thanks for coming on the. Sh- thanks for being here anyway. I uh, will get it up, you. Yeah. I'll see you next week. 
you 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 can get points elsewhere. That's my only chance, Dave. Come on, <laughs> come on. Uh, Ta-da to all the listeners and our fans. Tune in next week and we'll discuss the fallout of Clash of Champions. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>